Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. As always, great show planned for you guys. Some uh, some high highs, some low lows. Um, but before we get into it... <laughs> There's going to be low lows in this episode? Turn off the video I now. mean, maybe. <laughs> so tragic. No, no, no. Uh, don't forget to like and comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then also rate us on Apple if you guys are still listening audio only. Well, we've been doing mostly on YouTube and stuff, but uh, we're also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, I don't know, all the casts. If you have a bar mitzvah, we'll come. <laughs> and we'll talk about Modest Yahoo for you. Um, yes, anyway. Uh, I'm, we're look, everywhere. You, That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Uh, <laughs> so this is the best music podcast ever made. And we have music news like we have every week for you. We are going to catalog our favorite albums from the year 2000. I will also throw in some wonderful facts of what was the musical year of 2000. Then we are going to highlight Lou Reed's classic glam rock weirdo wonderfulness that is David Bowie all over. Uh, it is Lou Reed's Transformer. It turns 50. It was made in 1972. It came out November 8th. We are going to talk about that record. And then we are going to go where Get in the Garage podcast has never gone before and cover Nickelback's new album, Get Rolling. And uh, Michael has a lot to say about it. He's very vocal about this record. So uh, it'll, yeah. it's going to be a fantastic episode. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, let's get the music yeah, rolling here. I'm on like a three-week streak and not fucking that up. No names have been messed up. I remembered all the albums we covered. All right, all right. In the world of music news, who wants to go first? We all have stories. We all have tales. Well, let's lead off with what is the biggest music news this week, which is Taylor Swift. Yep. And she broke Ticketmaster, yeah. which is very big news for everybody. So what happened is she had a pre-sale that was going on sale. It oversold. It crashed the website. I believe 16 million people uh, went to the website at one, t uh, one time. 14 million users went to the website at one time and crashed the website. There was supposed to be a regular presale, like for the Friday afterwards, and they canceled the regular presale because they sold all the tickets out. So basically, what happened is like Ticketmaster was flooded on a presale and it like sold out every single ticket that was available. So now there was no general admission tickets available mm. for these concert dates. Um, Ticketmaster said it was going to be able to handle the situation. Taylor Swift has said, according to her Twitter, but uh, there's a big now like lawmaker and legal litigation push. Legal Thank news. Thank you. Gong, gong. Uh, so there's a big legal push going with lawmakers now questioning how much of a monopoly Ticketmaster has. Uh, I would also like to note that Ticketmaster merged with Live Nation a few years ago, making it literally one of the only places or outlets to buy tickets and uh, the only place for an artist as big as Taylor Swift to sell tickets through. So. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to this? this yeah, is, yeah. I mean, Taylor well, Swift just, just uh, is, like, breaking, like, every world record as far as, like, album sales and, like, new – in the new musical territory right now. And I think she's really showing, like, dominance in the pop market and – She's just she can't be like she's a force to be reckoned with, but breaking Ticketmaster and maybe fixing the whole corrupted system might be a really awesome thing. Because I mean, how many weeks have we been talking? We've been talking about Ticketmaster all summer because there's like this, oh yeah, there's all kinds of like this crazy know. concert happened, this happened, this happened. We, I, I can't tell me how many times we talked about Ticketmaster and how many times I referenced that John Oliver piece where he yeah. goes off about it because it was just very informative. But um. Yeah, so Taylor Swift yeah. really exposed the company because she's so outlandishly big. And I want to also point out that we've had artists that have been this big before. We have had Michael Jackson tour, like, America. Like, we've had huge, giant artists that, like, tickets have been high demand. Adele, at one point, was, like, as big as this was. You know what I mean? It's like we've had the Rolling Stones when they come to America sell out stadiums. So I don't know what the what this issue is. Yeah, I the I will say I read I was reading up on it and the 
the person that owns Ticketmaster now owns Live Nation, or if it's Vice Versa, I think Live Nation bought out Ticketmaster. Either way, they also own Series XM. And then there's one more thing that's kind of like out of left field. I can't remember. I forgot to write it down. It's like it was in one of the articles deeper that I had found because it's the Justin, Justice Department is investigating Live Nation entertainment for potential abuse of power. AOC famously came out amongst other, I think, politicians too that said like, this is a monopoly. Like you guys are, you know, but they're like, oh, well, we have, you know, we have competitors and this and that. And it's just like, yeah, but nobody's competing with what you're doing, man. Nobody. Like, On no that way. scale. The door guy at the VFW. <laughs> yeah right yeah they're like hey that's the guy right there yeah but it's just i don't know man it's uh i think the whole thing is kind of it's kind of weird i mean how many people have you talked to that are like yeah i'm going to go you know see this show all right how much were tickets they were this but because of like fees and blah 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 blah, i ended up paying uh you know extra 50 to oh like yeah we literally talked about Ticketmaster last week because new york passed that law where you had to do the fair pricing law on the website now Right, that's what I'm saying. So they're like, it's just for me, it's funny how it's like everything's kind of like the lights turning on them. And they're like, we've, you can scan your ticket from your phone now because of us. And we're like, yeah, but also, you know. He owns Blue Note. Blue Note? Yeah. The the record, record company? company? Yes. Yeah, the CEO is Michael Rapino. And a fun fact about him, he was in 2018 listed as the number one on uh, the billboard of Power 100 list of influential people in the music industry. That's oh, probably yeah. when the merger happened. Uh, merger with Ticketmaster started in 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all I, the more makes it better that scene. He gave us that Domi J.D. Beck album. <laughs> that was on Blue Note, right? <laughs> Thank, thanks. <laughs> Go see our mixed review of that record. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Let us know what you think. I mean, I think I think Ticketmaster's a problem. but I know. also think it's a problem. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to more legal news? Uh yes please okay so uh oh, yeah yeah this is really my my expertise over here uh Bob Dylan the the ellip, elusive shapeshifter himself uh <laughs> he uh sold a six hundred dollar book from Simon and Schuster uh that was going to be autographed by hand and it turns out that it's like three different pen signatures. Uh, all the Bob Dylan fans got together and figured out that there were three different versions of the pen signature. Uh, for all you Bob Dylan maniacs, collect them all. But uh, everybody's getting their money back from the $600 autographed book that you bought, the $600 autographed book you bought. And uh, yeah. so that happened. Bob Dylan didn't really sign his book. Um, don't buy $600 autographed books probably is the lesson here. Uh, they're probably written by a machine. In yeah. this day and age, uh, I don't think autographs really mean that much unless you were there personally to meet the person, and then it means something to you personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about autographs. But yeah, so that's what happened with that, and uh, it's a real bummer. And uh, you know, Bob, he's just a little wily coyote. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't. He wasn't just kind of like I didn't sign 600. You know, <laughs> like I didn't sign this many, but like. No one asked Bob Dylan if he actually signed every single copy of that. Like, no one thought to just be like, hey, Bob. I bet you, you sign he all had, these. I you bet think you... that asshole would sign books? <laughs> I mean. There's no way. No yeah. Way. He, the, if you look up, no like, way. there's been one public photo of him from, like, the last 10 years. Yeah. Like, I'm talking, like, of, like, out in the streets, not, like, a scheduled yeah, he was wearing, appearance. like, Air Force Ones. Yes. Yeah. And there's been, like, one. That's, like, J.D. Salinger-style recluse. Yeah. Other than the fact that you're touring America, it's crazy. Think about that. You're touring America, and you're also a recluse. Yeah. Stay reclusive, Bob Dylan. Please. <laughs> Stay reclusive. Please. Stay reclusive. Don't tell us your opinions like yeah, Van Morrison please. and Eric Clapton. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey, moving on to you. Um, this weekend was the AMAs, yeah. the American Music Awards, which is basically like a finger on the pulse of what populous America believes is good music and deserves awards. Um, the people have spoken. Taylor Swift won a couple trophies. Yep. Harry Styles was a winner. Uh, Drake won best hip male hip hop artist. Uh, I think Nicki Minaj won best female hip hop artist. Uh, Morgan Wallen won, I think, pretty much all the country ones. Um, yeah. It, oh, BTS won best group. So it's basically like, yeah. what is the biggest Google search? And there, there's your winner. Yeah. So it, it, whatever. I think it's it's awards has been. How long has it been going on? Um, not, not a long, long not time. That, I think 90s? Thir yeah, 30, the 35 American years. 50 years. This year 50 was years? the 50th 
oh. year anniversary. Oh, 50. Okay. The, a long time. To the American Music Awards. American Music Awards. 1972. Awards. Yeah. Um, I did see that. You see, Chris. So did you? Did you hear of any of the controversy? Chris Brown yes. won. Uh, yeah, is this beef segment? Oh, is this the beef segment? Maybe uh, this is. Someone's got beef. Fire someone's got beef. Musical beef. <laughs> Fire up the, the world. The, the world versus Chris Brown. Yeah, uh, such a good guy too. I mean, right? He might be. I don't Maybe. know. Yeah, they booed Chris Brown. They booed he Chris Brown. Award. And well, and the irony is, is that he was supposed to do like a Michael Jackson tribute of, I think, forty-year right. anniversary of Thriller, and uh, they decided mm. that for they did not give a reason why, but they canceled him performing that, so he didn't end up showing up, and then he won the award anyway. Oh, and we got canceled. I've, we just remembered that you beat up your girlfriend fifteen years ago. Yeah, right. It, so it, it seems like a large sloth of the public seems very uninterested in having him in the public. Like he's still around though. People must like him. But this is Someone the thing. Yeah, people still people, people love him. People man. like him and love him. him. Fine, what do your thing, whatever. Like I'm not trying to say like someone shouldn't yeah. be able to feed themselves and earn a, earn a living. Yeah. Like that's a whole nother thing. You sh- like he's a you know whatever. Yeah. Um. But like it seems like it, you don't want him around. Like just why the why the award shows is it like because it's controversial? I don't know. Like he seems like such oh, like a that does seem. Yeah. You see what I mean? Let's hire him and then fire him and we'll see. There what you happens. go. It's yeah, like um, yeah, see yeah, what happens yeah. on. And our now clicks. we're talking about the American Music Awards and all the beef that happened. Congratulations, Congratulations. you won American <laughs> Music Awards. Yeah, you're the we real winner you. here. You played us. We salute you. Uh, Fifty years, yeah. I yeah. thought it started in like the <clears throat> mid eighties, but so uh, yeah. yeah. Th- uh, I have some further beef. Okay, what's the beef? Uh, Jack White has had oh. has major beef with Elon Musk, the new owner of Twitter, uh, who recently reinstated uh, ex president Donald J Trump uh, after <laughs> a Twitter poll was stated, "Should I let him back?" Uh, which was voted yes. He got voted back. Jack Wright. Jack White wrote a lengthy statement, which you can go read. It is really, really mm. long. It is multiple paragraphs. It is a novel. Yeah. Um. So he's got beef with Elon Musk, and he's like, yo, I don't like this stuff. Uh, I could probably read you a direct quote, but, you know, it's just beef. Um, yeah. You know, political beef. Uh, so Elon Musk versus Jack White J- versus Jack White. It's so the fight a, we've it's the fight we've been waiting fight for. Fight of two sun deprived individuals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Battle, can, battle of the vampires. Of who can stand outside at noon for? It's a it's a high noon showdown, but who can stand being in the sun? It's for an endurance. Time. Yeah, oh, it's an he, endurance. He thing. says, "Shame on you for giving Trump a platform and other professional Shame liars." The platform you are now in control of. You so, know what I have beef with? You know, Jack that's White. Part of that, I don't statement. care what you have to say, Jack. No, you know I what I care. Mean? Go yeah, live in can I just say? Listen, I understand what he's saying, and I, you know, I, are, you know, the opinions. Are, but it's just like Jack White's always got to like say something. I'd like the end of. I would like if Twitter collapsed. I feel like we don't really need yeah, this. I, agree. I don't need like that's. I know what you're saying in that is like you don't need to know people's every thoughts, and I think we need a little bit more like disclosure in our. In our lives with our public figures, you know, just a little more. Yeah. Shut that shit down. All empires fall. My, yes. Look if what it happened collapses, to MySpace. Like, know. who cares? Uh, yeah. Um, they had a good run. Listen, I miss <laughs> MySpace <laughs> every day. I don't want to hear me Rest and in peace Alex. You guys are being on Remember Vine? We all miss things. We all can't have it the way we, we used all to those have it. chickens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? Times. And they were roommates. They are changing. They were roommates. As Bob Dylan once said, I have some more music news if we want to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Keep the train Uh, rolling. We're we're good on time. So uh, Elton John played his uh, last American show, uh, which he highly publicized as being his last American show. He played it at Dodger Stadium. And he ended the show with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. It was a big deal. iHeartRadio broadcast the last song live. They were um, like bumping that advertisement on the radio like twenty four seven last week. Uh, his concert was, you know, last Sunday. So it was a goodbye to America, a goodbye to Elton John in that wonderful, cute little Dodger suit. Mm. Uh, he roombaed around the stage on his piano like he has been doing, and it was a wonderful goodbye. The goodbye message was short and sweet. Uh, do I have the quote of it? I don't. But either way, Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger went to the concert, and you know it was mm. a big star-studded the old event. Guard. 
yeah. yes, the old guard is, you know, mm. is ending. Yes, indeed. So. You will be missed. That's uh, all I have yeah. in musical news. All right. Well, that about wraps that up. Shall we move on to our next segment? Jeffrey, would you like to sure. usher us in here? We're going to talk about our favorite albums from the year 2000. We each have uh, poured over the data and gone through our stacks and come up with our favorite album from that year. Uh, this will be a recurring segment we do. Last week we did 1995, I mm-hmm. believe. So the year 2000, uh, for a little personal perspective, I was uh, 11 turning 12. Mike would have been 10 turning 11. Luke would have been... Eight turning eight nine, turning right? turning nine. Yeah. Um, so a very uh, prime of our youth mm-hmm. year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of... Uh, We're going to get into the it. The sounds of Limp Bizkit everywhere. <laughs> no, and, you know, filling the air. <laughs> it was the new millennium yeah. in my no, house. No, <laughs> I would have been seven turning eight. I was born mm-hmm. in 92. So I would have yeah, been like six yeah. or seven. Seven turning eight. Um, yeah. So yeah, the favorite albums from 2000. Luke, you have some more 2000s info? Yes, I would like to fill you guys in on what was going on in the year musically 2000. Like what yep. was uh, happening culturally. We're going to start off with January 14th. The bombshell was dropped that Melissa Etheridge's uh, baby daddy was a uh, David one Crosby. David Crosby, yeah. which blew everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the baby was born. The baby was born with a giant walrus mustache <laughs> and, and a bald head. just learned that for the first time. It is mine. Oh was I feel like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. He's like, we landed on the moon. <laughs> I'm so glad I should have known this information. I'm, I'm so glad that's on video. I get to watch that over and over. You speak like what? Okay, so that happened. I thought Voice every, of an angel. Every, everybody knew that happened. Um, <laughs> though the album was released in 1999, uh, Santana in the year 2000 won eight Grammy Awards in one night with his album Supernatural. Jeff, I thought you would really enjoy that Smooth, fact. Smooth was both the last number one song of 1999 and the first number one song of 2000. Because oh. it was number one for like yeah. in three straight months. It's a great song. It's a great 2000. Song. April 12th, Metallica filed suit against Napster. The uh. Napster lawsuit was fully kicked underway oh, in the year yeah. 2000. So that was going on in April of that year. In May of that year, 50 Cent was shot nine times in Queens and then came back and made the, like, you know, album yeah. of his life, Get Rich or Die Trying. Uh, June 20th, Britney Spears kicked off the Oops, I Did It Again tour after releasing Oops, I Did It Again, the giant album, the giant tour, Britney Spears. Uh, Rage Against the Machine broke up. Oh, uh, you know, sad. two corporate. The Machine One. The Machine One. The Beatles One was released. The Giant Mega album. Oh, in two thousand. Right, Christmas mm. of two thousand. Wow. So it was released wow. around like November. Like we always kind of are getting a Beatles ramp up around Christmas time. All their number one hits. I think it was like twenty seven songs or something. Right, Crazy. and it was released. Yeah. Right, only in November of 2000, wow. and it was the number six selling album in America that year, and it only had like two months, to, like Whoa. a month and a half to sell, and it sold 5.1 million copies in that like short little span. Whoa. The number one album uh, sold that year was, guesses? Uh, my guess, it might, might not be the right year, Shaggy? No. Oh, Not even close. It was around that same time. I don't know. No Strings Attached by NSYNC oh. was number one, selling 9.9 million copies in that year. Marshall that Mathers by, by. LP. I think they sold a million in, in one week. Too. Yes. Mm. Marshall, Marshall Mathers, Mathers LP, 7.9 million copies sold that year. Oops, I did it again, 7.8. Human Clay by Creed sold 6.6 oh. 6 million. Yeah. Santana Supernatural <laughs> went on to sell another 5.9 million records in wow. 2000. Yeah. Uh, one, we said already, Country Grammar by Nelly sold 5.1. Black and Blue by Backstreet Boys 4.2. 2001 by Dr. Dre 3.9. And The Writing on the Wall by Destiny's Child sold 3.8, rounding out the top 10 of your best-selling albums of the year 2000 country grammar an album that my brother got from those bmg like buy one get 12 Mm. more and never actually pay for any of them yep nice did that that bring you guys back did that give you a nostalgic this was 2000 for you 
Yeah, because I remember like watching all of this stuff play out on TRL and stuff. Oh, like, big you know, years that was TRL. it. You know, that was the high watermark of TRL. Yeah, man. I, I like that the number one in two albums sold that year were direct polar opposites. America mm. has not changed at all. It was no strings attached by InSync yeah. in the Marshall Mathers LP, one of the angriest LPs to ever sell 7.9 million copies. Yeah, that was man. another Sony BMG. Yeah. One for 12 for one yeah. special. Wow. All right. Well, now the scene is set. Wow. The scene is set. The scene is set. Jeffrey, why don't you kick us off, man? Why don't you uh, okay, let my, us know what you were doing in 2000? Sure. Well, in 2000, I was like drawing a lot of those like cool S graffitis. <laughs> yeah. I drew and, one on a, on a machine at work today. And pretending like I listened to Limp Bizkit <laughs> and Corn, even though my parents would never let me listen to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I had to be like, no, I love those bands. Look at my Jinko jeans. Am I like big beaded chain necklace mm. um so in 2000 the the albums that i went back to and i thought about how much i love them were not albums that i listened to uh contemporaneously mm. if that's a word uh they're albums i went back to and actually listened to in my you know late teens and all that yeah um i considered some good ones it was a heavy hitter year um but my number one album from 2000, it, in my opinion, it might still be maybe the best soul album made in this century, and that's Voodoo by D'Angelo. Yeah. I called it. I knew it um, the minute we said year 2000. I called yeah. this instantly. I, yeah. I did consider it was a loaded field. I did consider other ones, and I, I had some strong opinions about some other ones. But that D'Angelo album, for those of you who don't know, it's D'Angelo's second album. Um, it's an album I believe he worked on for like two and a half years mm. in New York City at um, Electric Ladyland Studios primarily with a lot of members of The Roots uh, there bouncing around and working on different projects in that building at the same time. Uh, this album features D'Angelo on vocals, which is like heavily layered vocals a la like 70s Marvin Gaye and Curtis Mayfield and Al Green and Prince and like all those heroes. He's picking up the baton from those guys. Um some people who played on this album, uh, Amir Questlove Thompson on drums, Pino Palladino on bass, um, James Poyser of The Roots on keyboards, um, Charlie Hunter, who's a jazz, like he plays a combination guitar bass. He played on a few tracks. Roy Hargrove, dearly departed uh, horn player, trumpet player, plays on a handful of songs. Raphael Sadiq from the late 80s, early 90s R&B group, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Uh, handles some production and plays some instruments on this album. Um, a great guitarist named Spanky Alford plays on a few tracks. Spanky. Um, you know you're a great guy if you got the name Spanky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chal Chalmers Spanky Alford. Um, and this album is just like, it at once sounds like it's a loose, loose jam session and they're throwing together tracks, but like you actually listen to it with headphones on multiple times or you really crank it up onto speakers. And it's just so lived and it's so organic, it's so warm, it's so multi-layered, and it's like, I've I've listened to this album hundreds of times, and I still go back and like in the slivers of the silence and the space, you can like hear different things happening. Hmm. Um, it's just an excellent record, and this record has great songs. Uh, it's great, also great songs, very out great of time songs. for everything going on at the time in the year 2000 it's like a very in the like, world yeah sure it's yeah. a very like of its own record it's yeah. cla it's so because at, at the time like we had the d'angelo music video for mm -hmm. yeah, untitled right. how's it feel and that was a big hit yeah. on mtv mostly i think because of the way d'angelo looked yeah, yeah and then but now that record is so classic in so many ways for so many people and has like six like really you know overcome oh has overcome everything the year 2000 was yeah it doesn't get like sucked yeah, into yeah, any yeah, of yeah. that stuff and that's why i this is such a classic 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 record it definitely isn't of its time at all yeah just excellent songs um it's it's simple but it's not simple man to make this kind of art it's just like so it's like masterstroke it's like the warmest vibe and moods and feelings and just like everything you want to hear any time of day i love this album um mm -hmm. some standout tracks feel like making love um chicken grease the line send it on 
the route and like Luke mentioned untitled how does it feel like I remember being in New York City my dad's friend worked at for Sony BMG and in the lobby they have screens everywhere and they're playing videos and I was just like mesmerized watching the D'Angelo untitled video and it is because it's like kind of a single shot of him pretty much fully nude and he's just singing and it's a black background and um he's gorgeous and and it's it's like the best song it's like the slow jam of my lifetime and like straight up that song is on my list of like my favorite songs ever made in the entire world it's always one of my first three that i always say it it will never it will never be knocked out of that place it's like one of my favorite songs of all time also shout out to like the beatles hard cut Oh, right at the end where it's billing, 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 billing for like three and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. just hard cuts yeah. onto nothing. Just yeah. like uh, I forget what Beatles song that is. Uh, She's so and, heavy. Yeah, right. Cuts like that yeah. as well, where it's just like silence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like it's the peak of that neo soul movement that was happening mid '90s through early 2000s. Soul Quarians, Erica Badu, Music Soul Child, yeah. Bilal, The Roots, um, Common. Like it's just the best. It's from any era, but year 2000 man that's the one for me nice 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 you want me to go next yeah if you'd like to all right i'm gonna take it uh way indie and way back for you i have visual samba (laughs) did that come out that year (laughs) i wish so um like jeff said this wasn't something i really listened to in the year 2000 but something i more listened to when i was a teenager and in high school and i love this record so much this is hot rod circuits Second album, If It's Cool With You, It's Cool With Me. This record is, for me, when I was getting into my own kind of style of what I liked in music, this spoke to me in a large way. This is emo music in the way that the Get Up Kids were emo in that scene. Um, Jimmy Eat World would also come to mind. Hot Rod Circuit is a band that most everybody probably isn't familiar with, but Connecticut's own they were from New Haven, and yeah, we saw them, right? Yes. Did we see that? Yeah. Yes, me and you went to a Hot Rod Circuit reunion show. Yes. Um, so they are a New Haven band, and this album is emo in the way that it has the fast Jimmy World emotional style, but also has a undercurrent of Dinosaur Jr., Pixies, Super Chunk. Uh, and a bit more nuanced in the uh, kind of inspiration it was coming from. Um, I like this record. It's fast. It's hard-hitting. There's not a lot of, like, slow, bummery emo songs, which is something I'm not really into. Uh, If I'm going to shout out some highlights, it would be Radio Song. Uh, Super Sad is the test song to see if you really love the guitar playing on this record. Mm. It is, like sirens like uh very like modest mousy style leads over like what would be like super chunk style guitar rock songs um also on here is not to be missed is their classic song power of the vitamins it is a classic anthem that ends in like a weezer style like piano fade off a la sweater song uh this whole album is really great it plays really fast it is a highlight of the emo 2000s movement along with like Jimmy World's Bleed America, which mm. I referenced a lot. This is the underground classic that is still, I think, yet to be fully recognized in that scene and era of music. And I think Hot Rod Circuit is the missing link in a lot of those bands. If you ask most of like the bands on the 2000s emo Alkaline Trio, blah, blah, blah. A lot of those bands will tell you, the Get Up Kids, that Hot Rod Circuit was absolutely their favorite band. Mm. Um, they have a lot of great songs. If I'm you know, highlighting an album, that's probably the one I would start with. If it's cool with you, it's cool with me. Connecticut's own Hot Rod Circuit. Also, my future father-in-law is thanked in the liner notes of this album. Come on. I'm not lying to you. All of- <laughs> he, he, he lent them the lawnmower for the cover. <laughs> he employed all of them. Wow. And he was he was their boss. So oh, um, that is wow. why I really know of this band. Yeah. Uh, this came Very out on Triple Crown Records, a great emo record label of the time. So 
Yeah, and they went on to sign to Vagrant Records, which right. Alkaline Trio, the Get Up Kids right. were on, and tons yeah. of other emo acts that were huge. <sighs> But, uh, yeah, Hot Rod Circuit. Please check them out. They are one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, I had no idea they were from Connecticut. Yes. um, Originally from, like, Alabama, and they surfaced up here and formed and really exploded out into what they became. Right on. Good choice. So. Um, all right, my choice, if I can take you back to a time and a place if you can close your eyes. Now imagine the smell of the inside of an Eblins, and you will understand what my life was in 2000. Just that sneaker rubber. That's it, man. It was all about Air Force Ones. It was all about, you know, yeah, all that stuff. And, Backwards um, red hats. Yeah, and the, no, well, mine wasn't red. <laughs> mine wasn't red. Uh, I had a North Carolina Tar Heels fitted for some mm. reason. The Tar Heels was like the. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so (laughs) you see, here we go. Um, so in contrast, uh, to Luke and Jeff's picks where it was something that like kind of was happening, but later on and so on, uh, mine was, mine is a hundred percent time and place. I probably never listened to this album ever. And if I do, you know, if I do, it's for nostalgic purposes only, I'm going to go with Eminem's the Marshall Mathers LP. Sure. I mean, that was one I mentioned. That was the one for us. That that was the one that made me put peroxide through my hair. That was the one that you know, like that's a lot peroxide in uh, that dark hair. Trust me. I also (laughs) dyed my hair with peroxide because of the Marshall Mathers LP, but I was much younger. Yeah. Yeah, Right. So it's like, (laughs) but it is what it is, man. You know, it's the it's the follow up album to the Slim Shady LP, which in my opinion, I like the Slim Shady LP more than the Marshall Mathers LP. Just. Because of just like uh, it's just that for me that like that's the one Slim Shady LP is like the be- like yeah. the best one the first yeah like the first well Infinite was technically the first one so that's to the me it's one, like but... A A minus they're like pretty right close. yeah right right this, but this for me man I remember this one's rough for me man it's a rough ra- <laughs> listen man this one's so rough for me because of yeah. the track that is Kim's on this right yeah Kim's on this yeah if that's you, why if for you me I'm me, like I'm always like this if you were me so though rough. and. Um, bought the Walmart version, which was edited. It didn't have Kim on it. It had uh, Bitch Please 2 with Dr. Dre Exhibit. um, Oh. Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg. You don't really want to fuck. I thought it had the... One of them had the South Park... replacement song there was like a south park replacement song oh i don't know maybe that was later yeah maybe that might have been later um but um but yeah man this one for me like i remember sitting on my boy ryan shout out to ryan i remember sitting on his his front stoop and we were like listening to like in the first i remember the first time i heard stan i was like what is this because it had the singing and it had everything like that and that's when we all really started getting into heavy into eminem into dido (laughs) (laughs) that's when i got really into dido and enya i went the exact opposite way i'm like damn this yanni is how did i end up here god i love him he's greek what amazing jesus christ luke you are correct the song was entitled kids on the marshall mathers lp yeah uh, south park song that replaced kim i was right some runs in some runs okay that's that's easy in print they must they gotta save that ink they just changed one letter yeah i was like i remember this like weird south park song that like some kids had on their cd and i didn't have oh so that was an that was on the on on a special edition release What's the party song on this if you're looking at the track listing the party song yeah there's one that's like really crazy it's just the yeah, um, you have Kill You, <laughs> Stan, uh, that's what, what, who knew, who, who knew, I never knew, who I knew I, yeah, yeah, that one's I never party. knew, I knew, yeah, uh, The Way I Am, the angriest, uh, I mean, aside from Kim, but Kim's more violent, oh. I mean, it's, Drug Ballad is also like a party song, yeah, yeah, oh, um, The Real Slim Shady is the party song, and The Real oh, Slim Shady, yeah, but, but I'm thinking like a song that sounds like it's at a party and the lyrical content is like I'm at a party that is going badly. Right, right. That song. Right. Yeah, I think that's drug ballad. Right. Yeah. Uh, Amityville. I mean, uh, Criminal. The last song. I mean, incredible. Amityville is that the one that has the guy? Yeah, from right. Amityville. And the guy who like, uh, talks like the devil. Family, family still. <laughs> one one feature guy sounds, sounds yeah. like the devil. No, it's a different guy. It's like RBX or something. It's on a track. Oh, I don't know. Um. Oh, remember me. Oh, that's oh, yeah. what it is. Remember right, right. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Criminal, oh, the God. closing track, other than uh, the largely homophobic lyrics that uh, characterize m- much of it, yeah. is quite a banger from my youth, if I remember. That because was the I'm one I would play the most. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so good, man. And that's the thing. Did, you, did you read the lyrics? Yeah, they're rough. <laughs> they're so he, rough. He produced a number of these songs. Uh, Eminem? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple. So he produced um, The Way I Am. He produced yeah. uh, the, Mar- the song Marshall Mathers. Quite a few, actually. Drug Ballad, right. Amityville, Under the Influence, featuring D12, and then, yeah, Criminal. This is when his, like, kind of heavy, you know, a lot of piano, kind yeah. of bam, bam, like that kind of clean out my closet type of thing. That yeah, would come right, later. right. Yeah, so for me, I mean, like you said, man, A, A minus type deal. I love the Slim Shady LP, but when I think 2000, when I pulled up the list, man, it was like, oh, yeah, it was obvious. It's like, this was the album that yeah, I listened yeah, to right. nonstop. It, it was just like endlessly listening to this. And Ryan had the unedited version. Which sure, was, sure. So then imagine, yeah, sure. like a 10-year-old me listening to Kim like, wow, he's really mad at his wife, huh? Like, what Yo, the I world didn't, is going on? I understand. Yeah, that song was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, <sighs> it's it's rough, man. That's a rough song. The whole, I mean, the album is very... It's a work of art. Very realistic and very yeah. un uh, unfiltered. Yeah. And, Remind you, I, I'm pretty sure he is like really deep in his pill addiction during the yep. making of this this album as well. So he's you know, but at the same time, with a young kid and like yeah. blew up, like I'm the face of hip hop in America in the world, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. And, and he's like the only like good, or at least at he that probably time, wasn't like, even thirty then. He was yeah. probably like twenty eight. Yeah, because before this, what you had ice. Um, Vanilla Ice yeah. as sort of like a major white hip hop artist. Beastie Boys. I mean, all right, yes, the Beastie Boys, right. of course, the Beastie Boys. But I'm saying as like the single pop standout yeah. like artist, yeah. like that thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's my pick, man. The year 2000. I miss you. I don't miss you. All of it. I don't know. It was a weird time. It was a weird time. It was a weird time. It was a weird, it was time. A weird time. Our release, our pick releases. You picked like a throwback like classic r&b record that would be standard in any mm. era right i'm i picked a emo album from like a upcoming kind of underground band yeah you know and then you picked a major rap release that sold like 9.9 that was the album of that of year. that year yeah man that so, was the one yeah do you know what i'm saying like the year it was a very diverse year and yeah you know None of us picked No Strings Attached. How dare us? <laughs> uh, I listened to it a lot in its time. Yeah. That If I was like what I listened to probably most in its time in that year was probably No Strings Attached, definitely. Mm-hmm. Alex, do you have a shout-out? Do you have a favorite album from 2000? Yeah, when we brought up the topic, uh, Mama's Gun by Eric Badu. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy that yeah. record. Yeah. Side one is filled with... Yeah, that's a really classic. good one. That's yeah. her like maybe second or third album. Uh, I'm not specific. That is her second album, her first it's like album. Dark brown and green, maybe on the cover. She's her first album's Baduism, I right. think. Yes. Cool. Right on. Well, let us know what was your favorite album from the year two thousand. Any crazy any honorable year. mentions? Um, I know you probably have at least a couple. I have a couple. Um, two thousand. Mm, Kid A. Yeah. My Radiohead. Outcast, Stankonia. Yep. Um, yeah, Two Against Nature, Steely Dan's comeback album. It's got him. I got zero. <laughs> uh, Stankonia was a very close second for me. I mean, The White very Stripes, uh, Distill, Distigital, whatever that's. <laughs> Distill. Distill, that's what I thought. Uh, Perfect Circle, Mare de Gnomes. Oh, oh one that I year, actually man? really liked. You were blasting that. Oh, man, yeah, right you here. remember? Back in the day. I mean, I wasn't, but I remember. Me blasting yeah, yeah. that yeah. when I had my van? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. But anyway, yeah, let us know what some of your favorite albums of the year 2000 were. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got two album reviews, one new, one old. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hofner Guitars. I have here the Hofner Shorty. It is a full-scale, travel-sized guitar. You can find this and all of their products at HofnerGuitars.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers. Um, so, onward we go. On to our next segment. We're going to start with something old before we start with something new. Luke, would you like to tell us what that something old is this week? <laughs> this something old this week? You have a real roundabout way of saying You're like, things. we're going to start with something, then we're going to start with something else. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Let's start talking. So, uh, we're going to celebrate Lou Reed's 50th anniversary of his album, Transformer. This record is a groundbreaking record in the glam rock movement. It was produced by uh, David Bowie and Mick, Mick Ronson. Ronson. Thank you. I almost said Mick Rock, who is the photographer photographer on the cover. <laughs> God damn, that word's hard. Um, so, Art photographer. 
yes, thank you. Um, so Mick Ronson and David Bowie produce this record. It is Lou Reed's, I'd say, crowning achievement as a solo artist. I don't think he ever surpassed it. Metal Machine music? Come on, man. Uh, the Yo, he played that for me this morning. <laughs> I definitely did. I was like, what is happening right now? So uh, everybody pretty much knows the big hit single on this record, Walk on the Wild Side. Let's probably start there. Michael, you knew that song. Did you know anything else on this record? Uh, Not really. Vaguely, but not really. This was like my first time really sitting down and giving it an honest shot. Yeah. And it wasn't mm. that, like I told him earlier, like, you know, Lou Reed slash Velvet Underground have always been kind of a blind spot for me. Um, And uh, I, I I enjoyed it, man. The first time around, I, didn't, I found I didn't really listen to it correctly, you know. But then Luke and I talked about it, and it's just like, yeah, this is kind of like... You know, it's it's Bowie and, you know, the Lou Reed flavor and uh, like a little Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of like peppered on top of everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, now this makes sense. And then I like listened to it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, now this all makes sense to me. And uh, I found that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Front to back. Yes. Yeah. So uh, another big hit on here that I think you also enjoyed, like on your first listen, was Satellite of Love. Yeah. Um, another song that features David Bowie in the end fade out chorus very, you know, mm -hmm. prominently. Uh, so a lot of these songs my, too. My least favorite. Song your least record. favorite song in the satellite record. Satellite of Love. Is that that one? I it's love Satellite of Love. I mean, I it's, do too. it's this album is great. There are no bad songs in my opinion, but that song every time I hear, it, I'm like, yeah, this is just him singing Life on Mars. Like it's just it's the same fucking song. It's yeah. like it's here's the uh, here's the kicker fine. though. He wrote this way back in the day. Written yeah. before I know that. Life yeah. on Mars though. That's the whole like yeah, So yeah. maybe it's just the Bowie influence in the studio that makes it sonically sound like that. It's not again, not a bad song, but yeah. A little bit we put a man on the moon type of lyrics like okay. <laughs> like yeah, okay. We put a man on the moon. Uh, yeah, I I I liked it, man. Nick Ronson, lead guitar. Great record. Especially on Vicious. Yeah. Yes, that cutting treble. Woo. Yeah, hot tamale. I like. Uh, Is Lou Reed the best speak singer in absolutely. music history? Yes, because he can sing. There are songs that he sings, but his speak singing to me is more pleasant than anybody else who kind of quasi sings. I yeah. agree because he's always somewhat like on a melody. It's not mm -hmm. so much that he's just speaking to you; he's speaking on melody. Yeah. So that's kind of more enjoyable. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, Vicious is sung completely in a deadpan voice the whole time. Mm. And I also like how he will get excited and, like, kind of rave up his voice. Right. Mm. But um, it never really gets, like, more than that. Mm. Uh, you know, I, do, I don't think I enjoy anybody else's speak singing more than that. Uh, no, he, he reminds me of, like, because – because Jim Morrison gets that like woozy, I'm on fucking every drug known, and I'm I'm a poet type of thing. And Lou Reed is always like so grounded in how he's talking, and it it always just sounds like warmer, more immediate. Yeah. Well, the speak works its best too because on song "Perfect Day," where right. he's giving you mm. this like vision of like this beautiful day, and he's just describing how everything's so wonderful, but. The whole time he sounds like a completely miserable, you know, kind of fuck, mm -hmm. which is the whole point of the song. And that is where his vocal works the best because it's beautiful orchestration done by Mick Ronson where it really highlights, you know, the beauty within the song. Mm -hmm. But his vocal, you would never really know because he's singing it so deadpan and offhandedly. Yeah. And it gives you what the song's true meaning really is, that it could have been a perfect day, but he's still going to be miserable about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, in a more beautiful, depressing yeah. way. But... I love the tuba in that song. See? Uh, like, I love that stuff. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, our, our, uh, our boy Klaus Vollmann makes an appearance Klaus, on this record. Playing bass on like four songs. Yeah, and uh, Ronnie Ross, the guy who plays Barry Sachs on uh, Walk on the Wild Side. He also is uh, on Savoy Truffle on the Beatles White record. Oh, one he of my plays... favorite songs. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of... Yeah, honorable mention, the engineer Ken Scott was one of the five main engineers Scott, who worked with the Beatles. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their whole Well, because they recorded right in the UK, right? They recorded right in England. So Yes. I, um, so. I will say, too, like speaking of like the Englishness of this, I love New York telephone conversation because I feel like that's like if a New Yorker is living in England because it's so like it's so English and like 
British and kind of goofy. It's and... the Cockney, like, rhymey verse song, but yeah. it's Lou Reed talking about all his, like, gossipy, like, New York friends and how they just talk shit on each other all the time. Yeah, right, right. I, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. I, I loved all the Bowie peppered in there, too. And I also want to highlight um, Makeup on this album. Makeup mm-hmm. is a wonderful song about uh, boys or girls or whoever wants mm-hmm. to putting makeup on. And, like, the pre-choruses were coming out out of our closets. Yeah. And the song is really one of the first kind of, like, I want to put on makeup. I might be gay. I might come out of the closet. It's okay. Um, yeah. And it really highlights a lot of what was going on in the glam movement that wasn't really being sung about but was being really, like, performed and put in your face. And, mm-hmm. like, the fans were reacting to it, and they were doing it, too. And I think this song speaks to a lot of the cure, uh, the queerness that was going on mm-hmm. in the glam scene, and it really speaks for queer peoples that probably hadn't heard a song about maybe even coming out of the closet at that point, and yeah. it was very front and face. Like if you listen to it, you clearly know what he's talking about. If you know what he's talking about, mm-hmm. so uh, I love that song, and I always thought that was like a really kind of like you know. And it's kind of sweet too because it's got like the tuba, like the. Yeah. I I really like that song. Yeah. Yeah. Great album. In New hindsight, York, if New we're York giving, finest. if we're gonna, because you know we like to give. Uh, oh, we're gonna ra- We don't rate it's our a classic per- albums. I, I will say it is a perfect side A, like those first five or six songs, whatever's in the first half. Yeah. It's just like. Not that side B sucks, but I'm just saying, like, you listen to this and you're like, whoa, this thing is on a. Yeah. It's on a roll. Yeah. There you have it. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I know Lou Reed's a, uh, it's, he's, you know, he's an acquired taste. Or this at least is, he this can is, be, this is, this is happy Lou Reed. Yeah. Because Velvet Underground, like, it, people know the Nico album, like, it's kind of like dark and, dark and dreary and spooky and sad and heroin and all that kind of stuff. And this is like, this pretty, is pretty bu- bubbly for Lou Reed. Yeah, this is, this the is most, bubblegum pop for Lou Reed. Yeah, basically. it's bubbling yes, cauldron. It's the most accessible I yeah. think he is ever right, ever got right. in his life. All the songs are pretty short, and at that, David Bowie's magic on this is that he usually t- takes took artists that were completely untethered and tethered them into mm. something that was really marketable yeah. and really artistically great. Uh, Mott the Hoople. Iggy Pop, C among others, yeah, and yeah. you know, so that's another point in case of the greatness of you know a great producer and yeah. what you can do and to put out the classic album of your career. Yeah, yeah. happy fiftieth birthday to uh, one of the best albums in Transformer. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. Take it from me, I'm not a big Lou Reed guy, and uh, I really enjoyed this. So yeah, um, onward we go. The let's main, keep let's keep rolling. The main event, so to speak. Let's get rolling. Oh, let's keep get rolling, rolling was a better song. <laughs> um, so recently, you know, Luke and I were talking about what album we wanted to cover for a new album, and <laughs> you know, there was some slim picking. So I'm like, you know what? Let's go with this record because I really, say your quote. Yeah, go for it. I wanted to like this yes, record. Thank you. I wanted to like this record. I felt like. The record we're talking about, by the way, in case you didn't know, is the latest from Nickelback. It's called Get Rollin', I think is the name of the... Uh, You'd be correct. Uh, yes, the Rollin name. Rollin' with an N, no G. No G. Um, Apostrophe. And, like, you know, man, uh, there was a time in my life when I liked Nickelback. There was that time. And then I kind of fell out of love with them. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. Why don't we just try to shoot for this Nickelback album? I wanted this to be a redemption record. And it was... Is it not, though? <sighs> yeah, but here was my opinion of Nickelback going into listening to this record. Oh, my God. Fucking sh- put me in a firing squad before I listen to this record. <laughs> and I listen to the record, and I'm like, yeah, it's 45 minutes of shit that I don't give a shit about, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but see, I, I felt like I had an emotional connection <laughs> to them. So I was like, I wanted it to be... <laughs> I wanted it to be redemptive. This guy. You had an emotional connection? So it was, I the, sound, it was the soundtrack to like a is, summer for is, a minute for me. You this know? is what I think wow. is happening. I think Speak Mike, your truth. Mike has been, uh, you know, we, we've gotten a great comeback album from Ozzy lately, Journey. right? Journey, Journey released a great comeback album this year. Yep. Def Leppard uh, released a pretty fire like comeback album. Yeah. So we've had like some classic-y artists, some, like, rock band artists that are haven't been making, like, the worst records on Earth. 
And uh, I think you wanted to step into this one and really, really uh, find Nickelback in a new light and not see them in such a haterade fashion. Yeah. But uh, let's get into that first. This was redemptive for me. It was redemptive for you? My, well, because my opinion of this band before listening to this was like, went they're from, the biggest oh. dog shit band in the world, sellout bullshit for middle America and white trash nonsense. And now I'm just like, well, I see what they're doing. and uh, Oh, see. I don't, respe- I, uh, I don't respect it, but I understand mine it. Was, mine was flipped. I see. I was like, I saw what you were doing and like you big hits, photograph. Yeah. It was good, great. The songwriting yeah. was pretty like right on with what you guys were doing. Um, this record to me seems like a complete like step backwards it seems like a parody album of everything (laughs) they've done up to this point of themselves uh throw in a new country song which i there are a few of those i i thought there was only one really big country song this record just was high time was the only one that really felt like had the big pop that was that was the countryest yeah the countryest i wanted for me if nickelback does something interesting it would be to make a record of like the pop country rock hits that are popular right now because the big single off this record or the the single from this record not that it's that big is high time that song and for me go that way go darius rucker push this record full you know what on they're pushing country. as a single though what the opener yes which yeah, is San false Quentin. Yes, which is like, like false prison. You might as well. Sorry. Yeah, it's like if Bon Jovi did Crystal Meth and then sang Johnny Cash. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, it's so like it hits you over the head with a frying pan, like heavy. See, my thing like, was oh. like, it's like, I don't know, man. It's, I was just so upset. I think is what it was. I was just so upset. <laughs> San Quentin is. I like, expected so much more from you. I did. Back. I did though, because I'm like, yo, you got a lot of albums under your belt now. You got a cool fan base. Like, do something interesting. You I have, knew. I knew. You have all the means to make, but you have all the means to make a cool album. You have all of That's the tech, they... everything at their disposal, and it just felt. It's just. I don't know. I felt lazy. It is so like San Quentin. Like the start off is one of the heaviest songs on the record, oh. and. To that point, every song that has a heavier style to it, the production on it is so – I'm going to very just be blunt. It seems very thoughtless. It's so like this is a heavy song production. I've heard this style so many times. It's so loud. It distorts almost anything you play it out of. It yeah. is so loud. Um, to that point – um, I can be like, whatever, this is a bland rock song, and I can kind of get away with it if the lyrical is doing something cool and interesting for me. Um, for me, I'm going to be, again, a little harsh and say that Johnny Cash wrote this song back in 1969 or 70 whenever he played San Quentin Prison yep. and filmed the TV special, and it was a really popular album. And he wrote that song. It's called San Quentin. It's on that record. Um everybody knows it it's almost like why are you doing this it feels like when the lumineers wrote a country rock song called ophelia like the band had not written a song called ophelia it drives me nuts when bands do this i understand the reference and i understand the reverence i just don't like it. It's We've not spent clever. too much time on this song. Sorry, um, they really get. Let's my move on. Skinny little songs. Missy. Skinny little Missy, which was like Southern Fried Def Leppard. In my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, maybe the best song it's in the chicken album. Fried. It's chicken, chicken fried. It's chicken Def fried Def Leppard because it's that stomp clouds type of thing. It's like, but, you know, but we were talking Missy. earlier. It's it. like but best, the best guitar solo yeah, on the record. It's the mean. best guitar solo. It is the best guitar solo on the record. If you're like a hard rock band and you're this was the only guitar solo where me and my we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's it. That's the song that yeah. you can play at both the white trash bachelor party and the white trash wedding. <laughs> oh, well, I would, I would, for I mean, the that, whole that's album. how you go down <laughs> the aisle. That's how you get to the altar. It's getting a little missing. It replaced, I mean. it replaced Crazy Bitch. <laughs> that's what I mean. Officially, that's Crazy I mean. Bitch has been replaced <laughs> by Skinny Little Missy. It's not nearly vulgar enough. <laughs> no, no. But I agree, though. It's like, for me, I'm just like, you know, I told Luke, it's just like, you know, I just, I he don't know. He wanted more. You want what you want. Say what you want. You want more guitar solos, something heavier. What's more guitar solos, something heavier, but Skinny Little Missy, even still, like the lyrical content, I'm just like, yo, what are you, who are you talking about right now? Like, what are you, do, what are you doing, man? Give me some, like, emotion or, like, something with some I sort of some, like substance. Like, <laughs> thank you. I'll take that, man. I, that was a banger on the Spider-Man soundtrack. <laughs> It With was. great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Did true. he not learn That's anything, true. this Chad Kroger? So, I just want to hear a photograph. 
again, into that point, oh, I'm going to say that the song Those, Those Days is a literal rewrite of Photograph, mm. but instead of using the word photograph, they say, remember when we da 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 instead of look yeah. at this photograph, it's remember when we did this thing. <laughs> My notes say Metallica doing 2008 Taylor Swift. <laughs> so... Right, and but this is my thing, is and that's it? where it's 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 bad because it's like you already wrote that song, and Photograph is like it is that song. It's a good song for what that song is. Oh, it's not yeah. like my favorite thing on earth, but it is such a good version of what that is. That is and that, when you hear those it's days, the 2000s version of "I'll Be" by Edwin McCain. That's listen, a photograph. The question <laughs> is, is, is "Photograph" a better song now because this song exists, or was "Photograph" always like a halfway decent song? It was but always a it was pretty a, halfway, halfway decent song. But I agree with you. Yeah, it's like those that. Yeah, it's like here's my thing, man. Is I'm a nostalgic person. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a nostalgic person. But I don't like songs about nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? And that's what all they do. They just write do, songs about nostalgia. They write songs about nostalgia or songs about being in a band, <laughs> which is the other subcategory of songs I hate. Um, I love songs about being in a band. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, We're Jeff. an American band. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right. Oh, can like we just sidebar real quick? be very careful. Can we just sidebar real quick? The uh, the small little video, Luke and I were talking about this, the small little video that's like the accompany video oh, for the Spotify I spent page. I just spent Listen, my time watching we that. just felt that, Chad Kroger, if you're listening, we know that you are. We just felt that <laughs> filming that in the foyer of your mansion bad was in poor taste. Yeah, bad camera angle. So he's like sitting bad on a, co- a coffee table. <laughs> it looks like he's sitting on the coffee table in the foyer of his mansion and it's just and this i'm just big like grand i'm like could you thing? have it's gone like so in a stupid. bedroom or something and like yeah. your computer room anywhere would have been more relatable than this yeah it's yeah just, right look at this pulled up we got to pull that up and, and pull it on this episode so you can see what we're yeah talking yeah about. It it's is, it's it would have been funnier if he was like dressed like he works in an oil field <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> over, like, like dirty overalls <laughs> I mean. he's like I, you buy them this sweat drenched head you buy them this way yeah truly i think i got I think if I, we're going to talk like re- some redeemable points, I think Tidal Wave is uh, probably where it's at for the direction yeah. of like where they should have kind of went. It's more of like this dreamy, it's yeah. got this danceable beat on it. It's got like the dreamy, funky guitar. They talk about it the most in that Spotify video. Yeah. And you can definitely tell it was like the song they were into doing the most, which yeah. is, and it sounds like the most original. And on top of that, it's got the most heartfelt personal lyrics that I found in this uh, that you're never going to find on songs like Vegas Bomb. So I felt... Tidal Wave, it says, Audio Slave does Katy Perry. Yes, and that was cool for me because it's it's a rock band that Whatever. does pop songs pretty yeah. much. That's what Nickelback does. So yeah. if Nickelback is going to make like rock songs that kind of sound like Katy Perry tunes, that's more interesting to me than... Yeah. Right. Does Heaven Even Know You're Missing? Um does have it even though no because you're i just wrote sounds sounds like what i thought every nickelback song sounded like, <laughs> like it just sounds like nothing yeah, but even that you're the, like the, the pickup line just the pickup line act aspect is not great you know um, steel still, still rust. the anthem for 45 year old guys with punisher and thin blue line flag stickers on their trucks Bemo- yeah. bemoaning the death of the real america and how we don't respect our military made by canadians <laughs> <laughs> Kind oh, of though. Okay. That's what I mean. It's like it's it's not. At all, I see what they're doing. I understand that. But audience, again, like, though, I see what you're again, doing. Again, though, yeah. that song for me, only because it had the literal word "soldier" like right. once, and <laughs> and it was so confusing <laughs> because I think it says Wom. "soldier soul." <laughs> Soldier, 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 soldier. I'm pretty sure it says soldier, your soldier in the lyric, and it's so confusing to me. And the again, the song theme, not a terrible theme, it's just muddled in like, I can't really make out what you're trying to say. Are we Mm. pro? Are we against? They're very pro. But it was like, I couldn't, I didn't get that from the lyrics. I tried to look in there Mm. and be like, what are they? Is this like a pro anti something? And it was just kind of like, Soldiers, and for me, I'm just like not. Enough. Let, let me let me direct the music video for that song right now. It's sepia toned. 
it's just the singing and it's it's people it's not pictures but it's people standing they're like out of work factory workers or they're military like and it's just that collage you know you see the collage of the every man face yes like also whatever. before we end this album review uh we need to talk about what is going on with this album cover this oh, album cover man. is literally one of the i thought it was a new cheech and chong soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh with the album cover, let's also it's talk about it's so Fox bad. like stoner tease title. So it's like a like oh get rolling like pot. There's like not anything know. to do with any of that on this record at all in any substance whatsoever. It, it looks almost like the Yellow Submarine cover too. But it's like the, it's like a Cheech and Chong part. It's like a Cheech and Chong seventies yeah. yeah, like, bus. Just like, I think it's the like, album's called Get Rolling in like graffiti font and graffiti yeah. font yeah. that like would have been out of style <laughs> yeah, in crazy. the year two thousand. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, yeah, and then the Nickelback logo. Um, I don't mean to come here and crap on an album unnecessarily. If you are a Nickelback fan, and like Michael is, well, you should be disappointed like in this wants album. To be. <laughs> Thank you. Is is old Nickelback guys? Old Nickelback. Silver side. Bring up, back man. the long poodle hair. Up, oh, I will miss that ramen noodle mop the, he had you, there. That's your review. Just the single silver tear. Yeah. What's the other Nickelback? Oh, all the right reasons. I'm an all the right reasons guy. All the right reasons was the big big one too. Yeah, that. Is those that the two. one where the cars drive? Oh, away? But even earlier, man, the hell state yeah. and curb. The first two records, like those oh, aren't. Man. <laughs> You're a diehard fan. I was. <laughs> I I listen, man. I went deep. Wow. I went deep. I have extensive human, knowledge of the back. We call, them the, we call them the back. The back. Okay. Yeah. I understand. They are not back. They are. Yeah, so. Um, so if we're rounding this up, I feel like our conclusion is the production of this record was not great. The lyrical content of this record was not good. Yeah. Um, and Nickelback has made better records that we liked more. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I've never. I've <laughs> listen. Let me separate us. I have never liked Nickelback in any way. <laughs> I'm going never. to. He just doesn't know that he likes Nickelback. No, never, never. I'm going to say that I. I don't like. I'm not a haterate on Nickelback. Like all the right reasons is yeah. a great album for what that record is. It's, yeah. It, nobody made like a better record than that. What that is. Yeah. In that style. So. Yeah. So all right. Well, I'll I'll start. Nickelback, they. I see what you're doing. It's 2022. This is music for people who love Bon Jovi, who love 90s Metallica, who love country rock like Toby Keith. And even they're guys, but people like Shania Twain and Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. Middle America, they're from Alberta, Canada, which is like the prairie middle America of Canada. Um, The working class, you know, country rock gumbo that you're making. Not for me. Because it's not for me, I'm going to give it a low score. If it was for me, it would. It's. I think it's a decent record, but for me, I'm just like, Ugh, I hate this kind of stuff. So I'm being honest and still kind of nice, and I'm saying a three point five. Oh, three point five. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna go much higher. Um, I'll say four. I'll give it a four. I'm not. Yeah, I, I, it sounds t- it's you know, but I just I like I was like really. If I like, like this music, it would be like a seven point five. Like people who like this music, I'd be like, God damn, thanks Nickelback for making a great record. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't think so because I think you don't think so. No, because I've listened uh, to all the right reasons. I got by in the mindset of the, of the Nickelback fan. <laughs> I've listened. <laughs> listen, trying. I know what you're saying too. Though. Strapped on my big but cowboy boots. <laughs> this is the thing: is like. There's better versions of that down the yeah. middle, middle America sound right mm, now that, yeah. like, is the country rock sound. Mm. Like, the best song on the record is High Time, which is that country rock sound. Mm. So, and I just think there's so much better versions of that being done yeah. and have been done. For me, this is a three. I think that. The production is like even on that, like what this is. The production on it isn't isn't good. It's not a good sounding record to me. Yeah, it does, yeah. none of it sounded good. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, let us know what you think. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Are you a Nickelback fan? Are you not a Nickelback fan? You know, I mean, this is coming from me and Mike. That can I'll 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 tolerate the Nickelback, man. I'll, I can get into it. Yeah, man. certain songs, man. I'll be like, all right, I'll let it roll if it's on the radio. Oh, and certain geez, songs, come on. And me too. I I hate this band, but also I'm like whatever it's just not my thing yeah it's like i don't like certain kinds of fucking salad dressings 
Oh, like, dude. Oh. So I just avoid it. What's like your, I just avoid you, Nickelback. But like, who gives a shit? Like least whatever, favorite okay. salad dressings. Before we go. Ooh, least favorite. Uh, I don't know French for me maybe French French is French used to be my, my favorite because it's just sugar <laughs> on Thousand Island it. I'm also like never on my I salad I used to drink French dressing Ugh, God, I used to fucking, love it when I was a that, child it looks the color of my mic foam. Oh, delicious yeah that's it least favorite? least favorite I don't know ranch ranch I'm ranch a, is high ranch on is my a least favorite ranch yeah ranch is a least favorite yeah. I go blue cheese Always blue cheese. Blue cheese. Or fuck yourself. Fuck your or mother. fuck your mother. Yeah, that's, 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 thank you, Joey Diaz. Anyway, this is a music podcast. Thank you for sticking around this long with us. Again, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe and all that stuff. Actually, before we send off, Luke wanted to give a quick shout out as well because we did attend yes. a show. We went to Pocket Vinyl's 1000th show at Strange Brew Pub. Pocket Vinyl is a local New London band. They are amazing. They played a thousand shows and celebrated. There were party favors. There were paintings being painted. There was a put your face in their face thing and take a picture. I don't know yeah. what that's called. Yeah, I uh, it's like what that and it's normally a band that's a a guy who plays keyboards and sings and a woman who paint live paints during the set. Yes, but at this show they had a full band to support yes, them. Yes, they have yep. a full they had a full band play, which was a lot of fun. I hope they do that again. It yep. sounded amazing, yep. and they did like a solo set and then a full band set. So Big everybody crowd. check out Pocket Vinyl. They are an amazing band. They've been doing original things for like years i think like 10 plus years now mm. uh check out their thousandth and one show when they play it <laughs> pocket vinyl check them out um yes like comment subscribe you know the drill we'll see you guys next time it's been getting garage yeah.